Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Barry, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, you were on a little uh, diaper duty before we hit record. I was. I was a little late coming <laughs> in. The, uh, the diapers don't wait, especially the stinky diapers. The stinky diapers really don't wait. Uh, there was some stinky diaper coverage of Oklahoma State football this week, which I'm looking forward to getting into here in a bit. Yeah, see, I, I, I when I have time, I send Colby a rundown, a little inside baseball here, and the previous rundown I made, the first topic was national hate for OSU, and I didn't have to delete it this this podcast. I just kept that in place and put in some new content. It's turning into a, a weekly segment. It kind of reminds me, Colby, just of the years that Oklahoma State was was vying for the playoff, like last year and certainly in 2011 when the Alabama debate popped up. But uh, it's like no matter what OSU does, Colby, for the last decade, wins all the all the stats we all know about. They just they get no respect. They're, they're the Rodney Dangerfield of uh, college football. Yeah, they are. It's just it's unbelievable. You know, we're we're getting sent this stuff. Uh, some of it I'm seeing, and some of it I, I appreciate you all sending it to me as we get busy. Stuff can slip through the cracks. It, it's just like the uh, the story from ESPN about the six best games in the country this week. And I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole already, but. Come on, man. Undefeated Oklahoma State at undefeated TCU with two quarterbacks playing out of their minds. It's, it's not one of the six best games in the country. Come on now. Nah, Big 12 doesn't exist, um, yeah. in, according to the national media. They don't even pretend to care. But uh, we'll get to that. We're obviously going to preview the, one of the biggest games in the entire country, Oklahoma State and TCU on, on ABC this time, no longer on, on Fox Sports 1, which hurt the ratings a little bit last week, a, a great game against Texas Tech. But before we get to all that and more, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's being with us uh, all the way through football season and beyond. And they've been a great sponsor. So if you're in Stillwater, uh, especially for uh, next week's game with with Texas, uh, be sure to stop by Chris's and get all your latest cowboy gear. It's probably going off the shelves fast because it's been a great season thus far. We'll see if they'll be undefeated. Uh, next time they're in Stillwater against Texas. But uh, Colby and I were kind of touching on it. Um, and I kind of mentioned this on our, our – we did a live show on YouTube uh, after the um, the Texas Tech win last week. We're going to do that again on Sunday at noon. Colby and I have some prior obligations right after the game. But uh, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I put out links uh, throughout last week, and I'll put some more up this week so you can check in on that. We'll do a live show on uh, Sunday at noon and discuss the TCU game. But on the last live show, Colby, I mentioned it's like we're back in 2011 again when everyone was saying, ah, Oklahoma State done plenty of defense. They, they don't deserve to play for the national championship. And they, all they point to are, is total yards, total points. They don't even point to the fact that OSU's starting defense barely played in the second half throughout 2011. And the main problem is, Instead of total yards, they don't look at yards per play because Big 12 football, as we all know, is drastically different than, say, Big 10 football. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust. They faced 104 plays against Texas Tech. And I brought that up on the show because I knew this would become a talking point. Well, my man, Caden McFarland, friend of the pod, uh, but Channel 2 up in Tulsa, he had a snippet from uh, Heather Dinich, who she always comes around and discusses the, uh, the playoff picture Kind of a thankless job for her having to explain this 
playoff committee that, that doesn't really come out and really answer anything on their own. They just make decisions and she tries to rationalize them. Well, Caden has this clip from her basically falling on the old crutch of total yards and, and total points. And uh, let's hear from Heather Dennett from ESPN breaking down Oklahoma State. Now, Zubin, if the selection committee were meeting right now, I think they would still have questions about Oklahoma State as a legitimate college football playoff contender. And I say that because as good and important as this win was, defensively, they gave up over 500 yards, 31 points. They allowed 347 yards in the first half alone. So defensively, there's questions. And then you look at Spencer Sanders, who completed less than 50% of his passes, which was uncharacteristic, but it happened nonetheless. This is against a 3-3 three and three Texas Tech team that's unranked. What happens when the competition gets more difficult? I want to see. And we'll find out soon because they're going to play TCU. Uh, it's... Colby, it's just, it's so predictable. And again, like they faced 104 plays and, and Caden really hit the nail on the head. He said the defense allowed 5.1 yards per play and held Texas Tech scoreless for its final six drives. And they average uh, less yards per play than Tennessee, who Heather Dinich and the rest of the country seemingly is ranking ahead of Oklahoma State. Uh, OSU gave up 5.3, Tennessee 5.2. So it's just Despite the fact we're in 2022 and people are getting smarter about how to track football, they're just, they don't understand the differences in yards per play versus total yardage. And it's, it's mind numbing Colby, but I think we're going to have to deal with it the rest of the way. Carson, it was jarring for me to hear someone on the biggest platform in the country, ESPN talking about college football, reading a box score and having that be the extent of this person's analysis. That's all it was. It was a reading of the box score. You don't know what happened in a football game by reading the box score. It's incredibly, incredibly misleading. Like you said, Oklahoma State holds Tech scoreless for its final six drives of the half. And yes, Oklahoma State did give up more than 500 yards. Yes, 347 of those came in the first half. Oklahoma State just faced a quarterback that there was no tape on. This guy is new. Nobody knew what to expect from Baron Morton. And what we got was a kid with a big-time arm who can move around. He's slippery in the pocket. I think he's going to be a good player. Maybe he turns into Jet Duffy. I really don't think so because Jet Duffy's arm talent didn't didn't look to me like what Baron Morton's arm talent looks Morton like. Morton is a – sorry, Colby. Baron Morton is a four-star Elite 11 prospect. He's the highest-ranked quarterback Texas Tech's ever gotten. So just wanted to add that in there. He's not just some – random third-string quarterback. That, and that is a great addition, yes. He, I mean, he can play. We saw it last week in the first half. He can play. And despite facing 104 plays, Oklahoma State still held Texas Tech scoreless on its final six drives of the game. This is context that you don't get if you just read the box score. And I get it because they are asking her, and not only her, they're asking a lot of people to provide analysis on a lot of teams, and there is there are only so many hours in the day. You can only watch so much football, but it still just reeks of a lack of preparation to do nothing more than read the box score. And Carson, I find myself with, with two voices on my shoulders this fall as we work our way through college football season. And the voice on my right shoulder says, okay, take a breath, 
calm down because these things are going to work themselves out. Oklahoma State is going to play some of these other teams, TCU, Texas, some of these other teams in the conversation. Tennessee and Alabama are going to play each other. Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. These teams are going to play each other. A lot of these things are going to work themselves out. You know, does Oklahoma State go 12 and 1 or 13 and 0 anyway? Probably not. It's hard to do, but you just never know. So that's the voice on my right shoulder telling me to calm down because these things will work themselves out. But then the voice on my left shoulder pipes in, Carson, and says that these people nationally who continue to talk about Oklahoma State in this demeaning way while propping up Texas as a two-loss in the middle of October, a two-loss playoff contender with a loss to the Texas Tech team that Oklahoma State just beat by double digits. These people crafting these narratives around Oklahoma State not being a complete football team, having won all five of their games by double digits, while Texas is a two-loss playoff contender because they fluked their way into a one-point loss to Alabama. I'm sorry, it's just these narratives get crafted, and then year after year, what happens is teams like Texas are allowed, they are granted a margin of error that teams like Oklahoma State are not. So I I don't know if you have that same internal debate, Carson, because I I just I don't want to get worked up about every little thing, but it just feeds into the never-ending cycle of, okay, they talk about Oklahoma State poorly, Oklahoma State excels, and then the next year they do it all again, and Oklahoma State has no margin for error. Meanwhile, Texas has been trash for nearly 15 years, and all of a sudden they lose to Alabama by a point. We've got to put them in the playoff. It is it is frustrating, Carson. Beyond frustrating, and it's just to me, it's just it's so depressing considering what Oklahoma State has done for the last decade. And it it almost doesn't matter. I mean, you see people getting so fired up, like you mentioned for Texas, which Again, what has Texas done the last decade? Absolutely nothing. And you you look at how excited they're getting over Tennessee, who whoops up on a horrible LSU team. All of a sudden, they're the talk of the nation, things like that. You look at, I think even TCU is getting way more hype than Oklahoma State, despite Oklahoma State being the higher-ranked team, despite the fact that Oklahoma State went on the road and beat Baylor, when all TCU really has done to this point is eek by SMU, who's not any good, beat obviously a completely overrated shell of an OU football program and had a nice win on the road against Kansas against the backup quarterback of Kansas. And then and she mentions, and this is what really bothered me the most, Colby, you mentioned she was reading box scores. She just reads that box score and goes, oh, Texas Tech's three and three. Did she even go in and just click on, on the box score, click on schedule? They've played four straight ranked teams, two of them went to overtime. Two of their wins went to overtime against those ranked teams. And they played K-State close on the road despite four turnovers. And they lost on the road to NC State, who's ranked really high. It's like, do you realize not all three and three teams are the same? (laughs) It's just, so I'm with you. This will all get decided. If Oklahoma State loses this week, these people will just go back to the way they always were and just ignoring Oklahoma State. But if Oklahoma State just keeps winning, they're going to be forced to talk about them like they're, you know, they're just holding their nose right now, Colby, even having to talk about Oklahoma State. So I'm with you on that side. But part of me is just like, this is never going to change. I don't know why I'm getting so riled up about it. I just, I wish they would be treated like these programs that have done nothing that get all this hype, like Tennessee. And when really there's way more proof in the pudding behind what Oklahoma State's done under Mike Gundy. I don't get it. 
you look at all these national guys talking about the Heisman race, they'll list 10 guys. Dennis Dodd did that. Apparently he deleted the tweet, but I quote tweeted it and said, you know, the Big 12 still exists, but you would never know it based on these national guys who don't even pretend to cover the Big 12 because you got Max Duggan leading the country in passing efficiency. You got Spencer Sanders at top 10 in total offense, leading two of the highest scoring offenses in the country, and they don't even get a mention. You got Deion Sanders' kid getting more mention, playing in a lower level of competition than you have Spencer Sanders and Max Duggan. So it's par for the course. I get that. But it's just, it's a disservice to the Big 12. It's a disservice to Oklahoma State. And it's a desert, disservice to Texas Tech, calling them just a, a, a rum-dum three-and-three team, not even doing just a casual bit of uh, research on it. So it's just, it's unbelievable to me, Colby. I just, I don't, I don't get it, but you're right. The games will, will be decided and, and they're going to be forced to talk about them. Yeah, they are. And I thought you had a, a good tweet last week whenever people were talking about Tennessee's big win over LSU. Texas Tech would beat LSU. I'm, I'm certain of it. Texas Tech and LSU on a neutral field. Give me Texas Tech with Baron Morton. I, they're going to beat what is a bad, bad LSU team. Edo went down there, cheated, won a national title, upset a bunch of people, and left that program in shambles. They're going to be rebuilding for another couple of years. It, it just, again, and it's not just, you talk about like Heisman conversations, it's not just Spencer. It's also Duggan. I mean, it's not just part of it is us being homers. Yes, this Pistols Firing Podcast, we cover Oklahoma State football. We see that incredibly in depth. But what we also watch is what happens elsewhere around the Big 12 and around the country. Max Duggan is playing out of this world right now. He is putting what I think is a fairly average TCU team on his back and playing incredible football. And his level of play turns TCU from what I think is a fairly average team to a really good football team. And it's just, it's like he does not exist, Carson. So it, it's him, it's Spencer. It's just, it's this conference. And uh, again, and some of these things are controlled by computers, but I see the percentages earlier today. It's like the ESPN FPI, which is, again, most of their stuff's a joke and inaccurate, but they had Texas as a 12% chance to make the college football playoff. That Oklahoma State at 3%. I think they had TCU at like 4%, maybe. That's that's probably just based on names because they already played uh, Oklahoma, and that probably gives them the nod there since they don't still have uh, the the daunting task of facing the the big big OU Sooners still left on their schedule. But yeah, to, to see that Texas is four times more likely to make the college football playoff according uh, to, I, I believe it was FPI. Uh, somebody can check me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Let, let me ask you a question, Carson. And I actually scrolled down Twitter because I wanted to credit who asked this to us. And, and we've both touched on it briefly with their win over OU, but Kyler Whitus tweeted us both on Tuesday. And he said, I think TCU is a good team with a great QB, but do you think TCU and Kansas State are getting too big of a boost for beating a bad OU team before anyone knew they were this bad? Just a thought. Not sure I even agree with it myself. Carson, do you think there's been too big of an artificial boost just from beating Oklahoma now that we know what we know about Oklahoma? Absolutely. Just look like what I mentioned. TCU getting way more respect nationally than Oklahoma State for beating Oklahoma at home, by the way, as opposed to Oklahoma State going on the road and beating the defending Big 12 champion Baylor. It's just Oklahoma State and Baylor are one and the same in that, you know, they were clearly the two best teams last year, but beating Oklahoma gets you more national sway, even though, again, OU's giving up like 300 yards a game in Big 12 play rushing. They're just, they're not any good. 
And so, yeah, I think it is artificially inf- inflated by that. And it's, it's not just national people either, Colby. How about, how about our boy Don Williams down in Lubbock? Works for the, uh, the Lubbock Avalanche or whatever the heck that paper's called. I don't even remember. But this guy continues to show no respect for the Big 12 in general, but especially Oklahoma State. He's the only guy ranking Oklahoma State in the 12 to 13, 15 range when literally everyone else has them in the top eight to six, six to eight in the country. And it, guys like that who actually cover the league, who actually just watched Oklahoma State play and beat the team he covers doing that, it only furthers this national perception. When I'm sure some of his peers on the AP poll go, well, this guy covered the game last week, and he's got Oklahoma State 13. They must not be very good. So it's not just national people either. And to further my point about yards per play, like I mentioned this on the postgame pod, you know, imagine – Iowa facing 104 plays from Baron Morton. For instance, Minnesota, they have the, the second, uh, their scoring defense is ranked second in the country. Okay, that sounds really great. They just lost to Purdue and scored 10 points. And they're, they're number two in scoring defense because they get to play those rum-dums in the Big Ten that don't even know what offense is. So it's just, it's not, they're not being judged accurately based on literally every amount of evidence you can look at besides box score, total yards, total points. So I would advise Don Williams, who just a little background on this guy, uh, Colby, just for you and the podcast listeners, this is who this guy is. So I covered the, you remember the Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes game, Mahomes game in Lubbock, right? Where Mahomes threw for 600 yards. Baker did too. It was a wild it set defense back for a decade, but it set offense forward about a decade. It was an incredible football game. And I get the vitriol Texas Tech fans have for Baker Mayfield. I get it. But the entire game, and I don't mean just a kickoff. I don't mean just after touchdowns. Literally the entire game, fans were throwing trash onto the field, onto the sideline, and onto the playing surface where security's having to run out and grab trash off the field throughout the entire game. And I just said, this is a horrible game day environment. The people that run Texas Tech University should be ashamed. Their security just sat there and watched people do this the entire game, didn't throw anyone out. He had the, This Don Williams guy had the nerve to come on Twitter and, and rip me for pointing that out. I, don't, I can't remember exactly what he said, but this is, where, this is where his priorities are placed, Colby. He's more worried about trash being thrown on the field and defending Tech's honor over that than accurately ranking college football teams when he has a vote. So... I, I wanted to get that on the record. Yeah, no, that that's good. And I just, again, I saw that on Monday. Somebody sent it to me on Twitter, having Oklahoma State down at 13. And his reasoning, Carson, and again, you just, it, it's clear he has a vendetta against Oklahoma State. In one of his follow-up tweets, uh, somebody questioning him and how he came to this conclusion, he said that he saw North Carolina State put Texas Tech away in the first half, and it took Oklahoma State until the third quarter to do so. And... I just, Carson, I can't wrap my mind around that logic. Each football game is independent of itself. Also, North Carolina State faced a different Texas Tech team with a different Texas Tech quarterback. Oh, and another thing, North Carolina State and Texas Tech do not play each other every year. They do not know all of their tendencies. This was not the fourth time that Texas Tech had seen North Carolina State's quarterback in the last four seasons. It is just so unbelievable to me. It's 
the poll was bad enough, but as I scrolled through his replies on Twitter, it got worse, Carson. I mean, he justified ranking Oklahoma State 13th. I mean, people were talking about their quality win uh, at Baylor, beating a, a decent tech team and stuff, and his reply was, you rank the team, not the win. Don't we evaluate the teams based on who they beat and who they lose to, among other things? There are other things. Yards will play like we talked about earlier. There are some metrics, but uh, if you're – if you're up for it, make sure you're sitting down uh, and go scroll scroll through our guy Don's uh, Twitter replies because it is it, it's pure gold. Carson Monday and Tuesday, him defending his ballot. It's a joke, and he should have his vote taken away, frankly. But to your point, great Oklahoma State played Texas. Texas Tech benched Donovan Smith because he's a turnover machine, and that's who NC State got to play. He was healthy. He came in the game and played. They realized finally, I don't know what took them so long, that Baron Morton's a better quarterback than Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith's a turnover machine, and that's why he got benched. It wasn't an injury situation. It's not like Oklahoma State lucked out and played their third-string quarterback. No, their coach made the decision, oh, this Baron Morton gives us a better chance to win, and he did. They, they, it's an entirely different game, an entirely different situation to back up what you were saying. So, again, all this will be rendered moot as long as Oklahoma State keeps winning. If they don't, well, then they still have a chance to make the Big 12 title game and still shut these people up. But all I want is for people to actually do the research, watch the games, and come to valid conclusions. Like that clip I sent out a, a couple weeks ago from Greg McElroy. He actually watched the Baylor game. He didn't just look at the box score. He saw that Oklahoma State was largely in control of that football game. So that, that's all we're asking here, Colby. We're not sitting up here being mega homers just crying about spilled milk. We're just... Wanting people to actually come. If you want to point to Oklahoma State's pass defense, which is near the bottom of the country, look, I've been talking about that for weeks. They, they, they've let someone get behind them in every game this year. That's fair. But to sit there and just recite total yards and total points, it's lazy. It's, it's not how we judge football in 2022. It's just not. But apparently, national talking heads, you mentioned it, Colby, they, don't, they have too many games to keep track of. Well, th- this is a matchup of ranked teams. Oklahoma State's ranked in the top 10. So ignore some of those Big Ten games that don't matter, folks. Ignore those and start focusing on football that actually does matter. So I think we spent... Let me just chime in here real quick on one other thing because the the Texas love really bothers me because any team in the country... Carson, any team at the Power 5 level that got to play Davis Bevel last week was going to beat the absolute hell out of OU. That was an incompetent product that OU put on the field. It was embarrassing. So Texas is the benefactor of getting to play the Davis Bevel led OU squad that gives up a million yards to everybody. They beat them 49, nothing Carson. Let me rattle off for you. Texas's four wins, because again, it's October 13th. Texas has four wins despite not yet having a bye week. Louisiana Monroe, they beat 52 to 10. They beat UTSA 41 to 20, a game that I believe was tied at halftime and close in the third quarter. Uh, West Virginia, they beat 38 to 20 two weeks ago. And then they beat that uh, decrepit Oklahoma team last week, 49 to zero. Carson, where is the quality win on Texas' schedule? Just one quality win on their schedule because I'm looking it up and down and I can't find it. They don't have one. They have the Longhorn on their helmet. That's that's the only reason they're being discussed. And it, it's it's so funny. You're right that they have two losses, and they're already a dark horse candidate. Whereas Oklahoma State, 
is undefeated and not even being discussed in the college football playoff. Given a 3% chance to make the college football playoff, but it's the helmet logo metric, Colby. We're, uh, we're going to be talking about it all year, so that we better get used to it. But again, that's fine. You can talk about that, but Texas does not have a quality win. In fact, Colby, I'm interested to see what the point spread will be. Obviously, it'll depend on what Oklahoma State does this week, but I don't think Vegas is going to make Texas a favorite in Stillwater because they actually watch the games and they actually have money on the line. So we'll, we'll see about that. But uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves talking about Texas. But no, Colby, it's absurd and it's predictable, but it doesn't make it any less absurd, even though it is predictable that Texas is now a dark horse candidate. And you mentioned the Davis Bevel factor. I want to talk about that when we break down the, the TCU matchup as well. Uh, but first, you know, Mike Gundy was asked <laughs> about uh, a lot of things at his press conference this week, but he kind of dropped a somewhat of a bombshell that he interviewed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after the, you know, the classic 2011 season where they won the big 12 title. He said he interviewed with the Tampa Bay Bucks three times yet. We never heard about this. His name has never been linked with an NFL job. Uh, I find it hard to believe Adam Schefter wouldn't have been all over this had Mike Gundy been interviewing with the Tampa Bay. But I will say, Colby, I remember that offseason very well. I talked to a lot of people. Mike was not happy with his contract. Him and Mike Holder, this is the height of him and Mike Holder butting heads. I know for a fact he flew on a plane to College Station and interviewed with Texas A&M that offseason. So he wasn't happy. So I'm not... I'm not discounting what Mike said. He very may well have done this covertly to where it wasn't reported nationally, but I did think it was interesting. And it did make me remember that he was, he was out job hunting, trying to to work different angles to uh, since things weren't going well with Mike Holder. Yeah. There was a period of time where Mike Gundy was not his most happy in Stillwater. There were some, some disagreements that we all kind of know about that have pretty much, uh, I don't know that anybody's gone on the record about them, but everybody knows. Everybody knows what the deal was between Gundy and Holder. And uh, I wasn't totally shocked to see this news. Like you said, it, it seems like somebody would have been all over that, getting the breaking news out there. But 2011 was a long time ago, and it wasn't as uh, – I mean, it wasn't the 1980s by any means, but it wasn't nowadays where every last little breath that these guys take is covered uh, as if it's national breaking news. So, yeah, I mean, we never knew about it, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, if you were to ask the Bucks if they would like to go back and make a different choice, they'd probably say yes. They didn't have any success uh, under Shiano. They didn't have any success with his predecessors either, Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter, uh, and then they got Bruce Arians, who, again, I, I don't know if he's a good coach or not. He coached Tom Brady, so it's hard to uh, analyze those guys. But, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me uh, a ton that this happened because Carson, he he flirted with jobs so many times. I, looking back on it now in 2022, we're – we're incredibly fortunate that he is still the head coach at Oklahoma State because it's just it's brought a level of consistency to this program that you don't see many places around the country. Also, think about it like this, Carson. If he leaves after that 2011 season, that would be, what, a six, seven-season tenure at Oklahoma State? And as soon as they hit it big, that would have been like immediately. Oklahoma State hits it big, and then Mike Gundy goes to the NFL. If that would have happened, I, I think it would have just furthered the belief that Oklahoma State is nothing more than a stepping stone job as opposed to – elevating the program and that position to a place of national relevance where when Mike Gundy does move on, it's going to be a big time job that people want in college football. And he, he stayed through, through the NFL interviews, through the trips to Knoxville and college station and Waco and wherever he stayed uh, and Oklahoma state's better off for it. And that would have been crushing. Wouldn't it? (laughs) Mike Uh, gets them to the pinnacle in the big 12, one step away from the national championship and then bounces as an alum. That would have been, 
That would have been crushing. Uh, but it does check out since they did hire a coach from the college ranks in Greg Schiano. So that that tells you perhaps they were scouring the uh, the college ranks for a head coach. But yeah, thankful he didn't he didn't go, and he obviously had unfinished business because he was he had been working so long to get Oklahoma State to that point. But I thought that was interesting that he. It was so funny because Mike was like he wasn't going to mention who it was, and they just asked him, and he's like, "Ah, oh, it was Tampa Bay." He was like, "Ah, oh, I can say it now. It's been over ten years ago." So I thought that was. Really good stuff, and I think it just kind of shows you how comfortable Mike is. When he, when he has a good team, Colby, he's, he's pretty laid back, and he'll pretty much shoot you straight, and he, he'll divulge stuff like that. He gets kind of buttoned up when things aren't going well, so I think that's a good sign for where he feels his team is. Uh, uh, Pistols firing blog, uh, Kyle Cox wrote uh, three burning questions ahead of the matchup with TCU. Colby and I are going to break that down. And uh, the first question, Colby, really is kind of the question – I think the number one question for Oklahoma State is, can they slow down TCU's offense? I mean, what Sonny Dykes has done his first season has been remarkable, even with the backup quarterback. Remember, Chandler Morris was the starter coming into this year, gets hurt in the season opener against Colorado, and Max Duggan has – he's been in the program for four years now and finally realized his potential. And they're they're number two in the country in yards per play. Uh, They're just – they're lighting it up on offense. they got skill, talent galore everywhere. And we all know about the defensive struggles through the air that Oklahoma State's had to this point. Uh, some of that a little misleading, uh, given that they had big leads, but also some of that given that they've given up a lot of big plays. So I think that's by far and away, Colby, the, the main concern for OSU is slowing down Max Duggan and all that skill talent. Quentin Johnson, NFL dude. Tay Barber, probably going to play in the NFL. Darius Davis, uh, Kendra Miller. We know all these names because they've been at TCU a while and they've made a lot of plays. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't think that this is a game that you're winning uh, if you don't score some points because I think they're going to give up some points. TCU is playing at a high level right now offensively. I am blown away by what Max Duggan has done this year. He, he He's completing nearly three out of every four passes that he throws, 14 touchdowns, one pick. He can run the ball. He's the second leading runner on their team. A uh, few touchdowns to go along with it. He just – Carson, we've seen Max Duggan from time to time – I did not see this kind of leap in his repertoire. I I thought that he was semi-talented, but I did not think that he was this level of talented. Uh, And no, he has not played a couple of the better defenses in the conference yet, but those numbers are jarring. And it's not just the numbers. He's passing the eye test. He looks poised. He he looks confident. He looks like the game has slowed down a ton from early in his career when we watched him make a bunch of mistakes uh, and look pretty uncomfortable at TCU. It just... I don't know if it's just the switch from Patterson to Dykes or what the case is. Maybe it's it's the fact that Chandler Morris passed him on the depth chart uh, and, and that had to rededicate him to go to work. But Carson, I did not see this level of improvement as a possibility for Max Duggan. And he, along with some of those other guys that you mentioned, Kendra Miller, uh, Quentin Johnson, and Tay Barber specifically, those guys scare me a little bit. And I think Oklahoma State's going to give up some points Saturday. Yeah, and Duggan can run it, too. I mean, we all kind of laughed at OU when, when he outran their entire defense. But then you listen to Mike Gundy, and Mike said that there's only about two guys on his defense that could, that could catch him if Duggan gets out in the open field. So he's, he's deceptively fast, and we saw what Morton was able to do to Oklahoma State's defense with his legs. That, to me, is a, is a huge concern in addition to all the, the skill talent they have at wide receiver. So, that, yeah, like I think Oklahoma State's going to give up some points. I do think... TCU's really good on offense, but again, they played Oklahoma, who was like playing against air that first half against Oklahoma. It was, it was a complete laugher. I mean, he, they were going on 
three, four play drives for touchdowns all first half long, and then they basically shut it down in the second half. This can be a different challenge for, for Max Duggan going against Oklahoma State, particularly the defensive line, and their offensive line is not great at TCU, particularly at the tackle positions. So that's where I think they can really, if they force Max Duggan into some obvious passing situations, which I think they will, and they can tee off on him, he's going to experience, it's been, it's been too easy for him. He's had plenty of time to throw the football. That's not going to happen against Oklahoma State. So that's why I think this matchup is so intriguing because, yes, TCU has lit the world on fire. We all know that. But people aren't giving Oklahoma State strength a real they're – not, they're not labeling Oklahoma State strength rushing the passer on equal footing with TCU strength throwing the football. And that's where I have a lot of hope because Max Duggan has proven he can turn the ball over. That's what really led him to, to lose this job multiple times down at TCU. He's, he's, he's been willing to throw the ball to the other team. And a lot of that has to do with being pressured. We've all seen what happens to Spencer Sanders when he's been pressured over the years. Very similar to Max Duggan. So that's where I have hope for this defense, Colby, facing TCU is they can get him in, like, much like the second half against Texas Tech, they started to beat up Morton. And that's, that's where they have to start going to that a little earlier and more often against TCU. Yeah, you're right about that. You've got to slow Max Duggan down a little bit. The one interception that he's thrown this year was last week against Kansas. It's interesting to kind of compare and contrast him to Spencer Sanders, though. Obviously, it's been different. Spencer's had more success throughout his career at a higher level. Max Duggan's done it in a much smaller little window here. But, Carson, these are both guys who can just absolute wheels on both of them. They're both fast. They can run good dual threat quarterbacks. They both at times when they were younger, just loose with the football, turn it over, throwing it to the other team, not being careful with it in the pocket. Both of them now this season, at least again, it's only October 13th, but so far this season, both of them have done a good job taking care of the football. It it seems to me, Carson, like I'm watching two quarterbacks in Spencer Sanders and Max Duggan who were overwhelmed by the, the speed of the Division One Power 5 game and made a bunch of mistakes for a couple of years. And now we see a game that has slowed a little bit and the talent that we saw with Spencer Sanders is shining through and the talent and the potential for Max Duggan is shining through. I, I feel like we've got kind of similar stories here. Uh, obviously, Spencer's never been benched, stuff like that, uh, despite people calling for it. Uh, at, at times, but yeah, I think that there's some similarities between Spencer Sanders and Max Duggan, the way that they are both kind of realizing their potential now and eliminating the one thing that was keeping them from having ses- success, which is turning the ball over. And I think that's why some of these national people are so hesitant to put Duggan and, and Sanders on their Heisman watch lists because they've, they've watched these guys for years and they just, they think they haven't evolved as quarterbacks for whatever reason. So I think that's a, that has a large part, a uh, large reason to do with that reasoning. Uh, the next burning question is, uh, can o- who can play from behind? You know, OSU's gotten off some really good starts, Colby, in the first half. I think that's hindered some of their offensive numbers that are obviously great, but they could be even better because they got into some big leads early in the season. Uh, they definitely needed uh, to, to come from behind against Texas Tech, but TCU's been really good. They've only trailed for a minute and seven of game time. Uh, in, the, in the win against Kansas, and they've, they've really trailed for a total of 16 minutes and 30 seconds in, in five 60-minute football games. So both of these teams, Colby, have started fast, and that's something I think will be crucial for Oklahoma State because they need to be balanced, and that's another reason I'm, I'm a little more bullish on Oklahoma State than, than a lot of people coming into this game is TCU can give up 
give up some rushing yards. I mean, t- Kansas ran it all over them. They averaged five yards a carry, almost 200 yards rushing. And Oklahoma State has struggled at times, Colby, to run the football. So I think if, if Oklahoma State gets in front, they'll really be able to be a little, little less predictable as to when they're going to run the football in addition to their, their great passing game. Yeah, I think you're pretty much spot on there. Uh, this offense for TCU is going to be able to move it, but so is Oklahoma State. It's interesting, last week against Tech, Oklahoma State actually, you know, Texas Tech takes the coin toss, goes down and scores, Baron Morton looks great. But then it was all Oklahoma State for a few possessions. I think it was 17-7. Oklahoma State got up, and then it went back to Tech. So it was kind of a game of runs, and then Oklahoma State ended up having to make that second-half comeback after uh, after Texas Tech took the, I believe it was 31-23 uh, lead last week. So, yeah, both teams have mostly started fast. Um, I don't know, Carson. As resilient and as veteran-laden as this Oklahoma State team is, if Oklahoma State is up, 14 to nothing with with three minutes left in the first quarter. I think that that could spell disaster for TCU. I really do, because this is a team, new head coach, still finding its identity. They're only five games into this season, and Kansas is a fun little story. Kansas is not – I mean, come on now. They, they did not beat one of the best teams in the country whenever they went into Lawrence. They played their backup quarterback in the second half, Jason Beam, uh, for Kansas, who, who, by the way, torched TCU in the second half of that game. 16 of 24, 262, four touchdowns and a pick for Jason Beam. Kansas ran it uh, at five yards a clip on 38 rushes last week. So I I think that this TCU defense is going to give up some points. I don't think they're a world beater. On the the contrary, Carson, if Oklahoma State's down 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter, obviously that's not how you draw up the game script. But I'm not totally full-on panic button because this is a veteran-laden team. They make adjustments at halftime. And Oklahoma State, the last few weeks, they're tougher in the fourth quarter. They're tougher in the second half. They're tougher in the fourth quarter. And they close games well. So I actually think that the first quarter of the game is more important for TCU than it is for Oklahoma State because I think TCU's path to victory is either keeping it close the whole way or jumping out to a lead where I think Oklahoma State can adjust and still win this game if they fall behind early. I don't really feel that way about TCU. I agree, and I would certainly be way more concerned getting down early if this was last year when OSU's passing game was just not equipped to to make that kind of comeback. So, yeah, I'm with you there, and Spencer's shown that Really, the, the throwing game's been better than the running game. But I, that's why I'm so bullish on OSU in this matchup because I believe they're going to be able to run the football with a lot more success. And, oh, by the way, Dominic Richardson, revenge game. TCU, Gary Patterson ain't on the sideline, but they yanked his scholarship uh, really after signing day, and now he's leading Oklahoma State uh, rushing attack. So that'll be a, a big revenge spot for him. And the next burning question is uh, staying steady on third downs. TCU is uh, third in the Big 12 at, at converting third downs. Uh, Oklahoma State has been really good on that that end on defense over the years. They've led the Big 12 the past three years. But it, it's any game, Colby, third down's huge. But especially when you get into a score fest, which I think this game might end up being and probably will be, uh, that's going to be a huge factor. And that's where I think Oklahoma State can really tee off on, on Max Duggins on third downs. He's not going to be facing – you know, they, they've picked up a lot of third downs this year. But, again, that's against – an OU defense that, that doesn't get after the quarterback, and it's against Kansas. It's going to be an entirely different animal when when uh, Colin Oliver, Trace Ford, and all those guys are, are coming off the edge. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. That offensive line is going to have their hands full. It's, uh, again, Carson, I just feel like they got the big OU bump, but I don't know what to make of the win last week in Lawrence because – 
I'm telling you again, Kansas, fun story. Kansas didn't send in Colin Oliver and Trace Ford. And you know what? I'm going to say Ben Kapinski's name too. Those guys weren't coming off the edge in Lawrence. I mean, Tyler Lacey, Sioniasi, Brendan Evers, those guys weren't, weren't clogging up the middle. I think TCU is going to struggle to run the ball. I think Max Duggan is going to face more pressure than he has faced. Now, sometimes I think he's going to escape that and he's going to make big plays with his legs. There, there are going to be a couple of third downs in that game where it looks like they've got him dead to right in the pockets and he dips and slips and spins. Next thing you know, he runs for 27 yards and everybody's screaming at their TV. Prepare yourselves, people, because that's going to happen because Max Duggan is an athlete and, and that's just how these things go. But throughout the course of a game, four quarters, is he going to be able to do that enough times to keep pace with Spencer Sanders in Oklahoma State? I don't know because I, I think that this Oklahoma State team is more tested. Uh, I think that the teams Oklahoma State have played are better than the teams that TCU has played. Uh, I think Texas Tech and Kansas are probably pretty comparable, uh, and we will look back at that at the end of the season. Again, I think TCU is getting an artificial uh, burst in, in narrative from beating OU so badly when they did. It, it, what we're learned now is a very bad OU team. I think they're also getting a little bit of a narrative boost from college game day being at Kansas last week because it's such a fun story because Kansas essentially hasn't had a, a, a football program for about a decade and a half. So I, I do think, Carson, uh, that, that because of a couple of things, TCU is a little bit overvalued. Uh, nationally, and, and I think that the wrong team is favored in this game, and I'm I'm kind of tipping my hand here, but uh, I actually, the closer we get to the game, the better I feel about Oklahoma State's chances. I feel the same way, and uh, before we get to our picks, one final burning question is a note on fourth downs. Uh, <laughs> OSU finally gets a reprieve here, Colby. They've, they've faced the gauntlet of Baylor and Texas Tech being two of the most aggressive fourth down teams in the entire country. Sonny Dykes and TCU, they're tied for seventh in the league. They've only attempted eight fourth downs in, in five games. And that's another thing that national people won't reference when they when they talk about OSU's defense is they had to stop them their team on on four downs, regardless of field position. And that's just that's tough on any defense. Ask any defensive coordinator. They want to pull their hair out against teams doing that. Maybe Sonny Dykes will do it more now that he's facing a team like Oklahoma State that he'll have to keep up with. Uh, maybe Mike will be more apt to go for it on fourth down, considering this could be a, a shootout. But they at least don't have to worry about a team going for it on fourth down their own 30, like, like, like Baylor. Yeah, here's your stat of the day, Carson. Oklahoma State's last two opponents, getting this from World John OSU on Twitter, Oklahoma State's last two opponents have tried to convert fourth downs a combined 12 times. Texas Tech and Baylor went 7 of 12 on those combined uh, conversion attempts. Those conversions, Carson, led to 223 yards and 31 points over the last two weeks. And, and those are things that are not just immediately plugged into the box score. If you just pull the box score up and look at total yards and those things, you're not going to see that. Oklahoma State, look, Texas Tech did a good job. We, we knew from the first drive of the game that they were going for it all day. It was like the fourth play of the game. Oklahoma State forced a three and out on the first possession. The problem, their opponent didn't punt. They went for it quickly in about four seconds on fourth down. Boom, quick screen, first down. I don't think Oklahoma State will see as much of that. Uh, I do not think Mike Gundy will deviate from, from what he's been doing on fourth down. I, Quite frankly, Carson, I've kind of changed my tune on it a little bit. I don't think that he should deviate on what he's doing because Oklahoma State is so special at special teams. Oklahoma State ranks uh, number two in the country in special teams efficiency. TCU actually is seventh in the country in special teams efficiency. I tweeted this out earlier in the week. Special teams is not random. Oklahoma State is great 
at it. Jaden Nixon is third in the uh, in the country in return yards. Oklahoma State, I, I'd have to verify this. I, I'm pretty sure I saw this stat earlier today, leads the country in, uh, in starting field position. So you lead the country in starting field position. That does another couple of things to skew the metrics. That's going to leave you with less total yards whenever Jaden Nixon takes one to the house against and then Brennan Presley brings his accruing because you're so good on special teams. Also, you're only going 45 yards now to score a touchdown. Well, that takes four plays in about a minute 40. Your defense is right back on the field. So it's, again, some of these box scores are a little bit skewed, uh, but these will be two good special teams units. But obviously, Carson, I favor Oklahoma State because they're just uh, pretty elite across the board, that unit. Yeah, and I think that's why Mike is is far more conservative. He all, he's always been pretty conservative on, on fourth downs. He's always been near the, the in the bottom five on going for it. But uh, I certainly understand the reasoning when you have the kicking games uh, with Hutton and and certainly uh, Tanner Brown, the, the the place kicker. So I think it's a good breakdown, Colby. Uh, what, how you picking this game? It's a massive game, and certainly the team that wins this will be in the driver's seat to uh, Jerry World. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think that Oklahoma State uh, is going to move the ball a lot on TCU's defense. I don't think they're going to punch it in the end zone every time. Uh, I think that we're going to see another three field goal game from Tanner Brown like we saw last week. I think TCU will put up some points, but I don't, don't think they can about keep it. pace. Don't talk about it. Shh. I, I don't think they can keep pace, Carson. Uh, I'm going 44. Uh, I'm thinking here, does the does the streak of winning by double digits stay alive is what I'm questioning here. Sonny Dykes doesn't go for it as much, uh, like we said, as, as McGuire and as Aranda. I'm going to say 44-34. Oklahoma State goes to Fort, Fort Worth, wins by 10. I like it. Uh, good reasoning there. And again, I have a lot of respect for what TCU's done. I'm not writing that off. They're clearly explosive on offense. I think Sonny Dykes has really turned things around quickly, and he had a lot of talent in place at the skill positions, which I mentioned. But again, destroying Oklahoma does very little for me, and they they certainly did. But they did get to their deep. This is where I'm I'm bullish on Oklahoma State is their defense got to play against Dylan Gabriel for about a quarter and a half. So for, for the most part of that game, they're facing Davis uh, Davis Bevel. Second half against you know Jalen Daniels in Kansas, they don't have to face him for the second half. They're largely unproven for me. And this is a huge step up in competition offensively. I, I like Kansas, I like Jalen Daniels, but he ain't Spencer Sanders. And he, he doesn't have the skill talent that Oklahoma State has. So that's one, that's one reasoning. And again, Oklahoma State's defense has dudes on it. I know they've given up yardage through the air. We all know that but they're going to be able to get off the field because they're going to get after Max Duggan. And for some reason, people just don't view Oklahoma State for what they are, and that is a complete football team. Show me a more complete team that can score like Oklahoma State can on offense, can get after the quarterback and defend the run, which is very important. she's very good against the run. And then the special teams, which you mentioned, they're a complete team. They absolutely controlled Baylor on the road. They were, they were throwing a curveball against Tech, and I think Tech's a lot better than their 3-3 three and three record that Heather Denich likes to throw out there. And Oklahoma State is one of two teams in the country to win by double digits. It's the other OSU. It's Ohio State and Oklahoma State. Those two teams are never mentioned in the same sentence, but they're a lot closer than anyone wants to admit in terms of what they've done on the field and what they have on all three phases of the game. And so, yes... Oklahoma State is going to win this game by double digits because their defense is going to make a statement here. Oklahoma State's going to win this game 42 to 28. They're going to score on TCU. 
and they're going to get off the field on third down. They're going to force Max Duggan into some turnovers. And in the end, they're going to walk away 42-28 winners to where I think maybe, just maybe, that will be the reason people start talking about Oklahoma State. Or perhaps Colby, they'll sit there and go, ah, well, TCU, they beat up. They'll start saying the things that we said on this podcast. Ah, they beat up on Oklahoma. That wasn't that impressive anymore. And Kansas didn't have their quarterback. So we can't, we can't give Oklahoma State too much credit. And OSU will just keep doing what they do, and that's play winning football in all three phases. I expect a huge game from Spencer Sanders. I expect a big game from Dominic Richardson on the ground. I wouldn't mind seeing Ollie Gordon get the ball, too. He doesn't scare me with the fumble issue he had at Baylor. And I just think Oklahoma State's going to control this game much like they did against Baylor. They just won't give up those ridiculous fourth down plays that they gave up against Baylor. And I think they win comfortably and make a statement down in Fort Worth. Yeah, in a perfect world, Carson, Oklahoma State and TCU play a game Saturday with zero combined turnovers, just two good teams playing clean football. And Oklahoma State is still two possessions better. That, that That's what would be perfect because, again – that takes away the whole, you know, people pointing at fluke wins and stuff, all that stuff. No, go out there. I want to see two good football teams play good, clean football. I think there will be times throughout the day uh, when myself and and the rest of the people uh, in the Oklahoma State faithful are a little bit stressed. But at, at the end of uh, Saturday evening, I think that Oklahoma State will feel pretty good about where they stand and will be the the top contender in the Big 12 once again. Uh, I, I A lot of positivity, Carson. I, I'll say – I'm a little scared underneath. Uh, underneath, I'm a little scared that I could be wrong because this could start going the wrong direction. Uh, maybe you don't play a clean football game. You don't have your best, and TCU's feeling themselves. I, I feel confident in my pick. I, I think there's good reasoning behind it. Same with yours. But, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little scared that I could be wrong and Duggan could go wild. Yeah, I mean, TCU's a four-point favorite for a reason. It's on their field. Uh, TCU's been very impressive. Uh, just offhand, though, Col- Colby, do you remember how much – OSU ran four against TCU last year, just off the top of your head? Oh, off the top of my head, no, no. Uh, another reason why I keep, I'm adamant about this, OSU ran for 447 yards against TCU last year. Did they, did they get a bunch of NFL tra- uh, transfer portal guys on defense? I don't, I don't think they did. So, yeah, TCU is scary good on offense. But they can be had on defense, and Gary Patterson's not there anymore calling the defense, which was a big reason they you know, were, were so good for so many years on defense. Oh, she ran for 447 yards last year. And again, I know it's last year, different team, all that. But TC was picked where they were picked preseason for a reason. They, they've had a great run so far. But I think they're going to come down to earth a little bit facing a top-tier team in Oklahoma State. And so that's why I'm, the more we've talked about this, Colby, and the more this week, it's the opposite for me of last week. The further we got into last week, I was like, this is a bad stylistic matchup for Oklahoma State facing Tech. Uh, I didn't like the way they kind of matched up. This week, I love the way they match up. Is it going to be a concern on defense? Sure, of course. But I really like Oklahoma State's chances, and I'm, I'm fairly confident going into this one. Yeah, I am too. I feel good about it. Uh, what, what else in the Big 12? Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas OU, Iowa State, Texas. Be real honest, Carson, outside of Fort Worth, Whole bunch of snoozers, it looks like, in the Big 12. Yeah, it's more of a, a national week. We got a lot of ranked matchups. You know, you got the, the snoozer of Penn State, Michigan. That'll be two yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, you got Texas playing Iowa State at home. That does very little for me. Alabama at Tennessee is a really good game. We'll, we'll see how good Tennessee is because Josh Heupel's done a really good job at Tennessee, but I think Alabama might bring them back to earth. But uh, And it, this is another reason, Colby, the Big 12 gets so overlooked. Clemson gets... The, the Saturday night primetime game for like the third straight week 
going on the road to Florida State. Look, I'm a Florida State guy, but they're four and two. They're two and two in the ACC. Why? Why is that the primetime matchup while OSU TCU gets the two thirty? I just I don't understand it. It's it's not as good of a football game, but that that kind of wears me out. And I'm I cannot wait to watch Lincoln Riley go to Utah because I think Utah is going to smack him around. You do. Okay. So that one, I actually think that that game will get a ton of interest nationally, the late game between USC and Utah, because it really feels like the first chance for Lincoln to prove something. And I, I don't know if he's going to do it. Utah's really good at home. Uh, they're coming off a loss to UCLA. I, I probably think Utah's going to win that game, but I do think that there's going to be a ton of national interest in that game. Uh, and I will have interest in that game. That will absolutely be my nightcap. Well, USC has been kind of, Skating by on defense with turnovers. Once they're turnover, the turnover luck is turnover luck for a reason. Some of it's earned. You know, that 2011 team was really good at forcing them. Maybe USC will do this the rest of the year, but it's masked a lot of issues they've had uh, on defense, facing a really terrible schedule to this point. This is a huge step up in competition. I don't think Utah's as good as they've been the last couple of years, but I think USC might win the game, but they're – they're going to get a wake-up call against Utah. They, they really have been skating by with, with turnovers and things of that nature. So uh, we need to do our uh, Chris's University Spirit uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com for all your cowboy apparel needs. Uh, Colby, what are you going with on uh, – they wore black, black, white for the first time ever last week. It kind of looked like a – a spring game last week uh, with the, the look they went against Texas Tech. What do you think they're going to wear uh, this weekend in Fort Worth? Yeah, these are getting tougher as we're, we're going along. I felt like in the non-con, I, I, I liked my predictions at least. And a couple, I think one was spot on, one was close. Uh, wasn't even close last week. So this week, I think they're going to go down there. I think they're going to rock some white helmets, white shirts, orange pants. I think they're going white, white, orange against TCU, uh, bright look, let them wear all their dark, weird, purple and black meshed crap. Just throw on your whites and your oranges, uh, and, uh, and, and go stick it to them. So white, white, orange is my call. Uh, OSU insignia on the side of the helmet. Just the, the simple OSU insignia. Yeah. Shades of, uh, Barry Sanders, Hartley Dykes and Mike Gundy. That's what they, they used to be their traditional, uh, road yeah. look, the white, white, orange. We don't, I don't remember the last time they wore that. It's been a either. long time since they've worn that on the road. I can't remember. I'm, I'm pretty good at remembering the uniform combos they've worn over the years. I think they're going to stick with Curse of Cowboys. I'm going with the orange helmet with the Curse of Cowboys on it. Uh, white jersey, orange pants. The uh, Somewhat of the Cleveland Browns look, but I, I do like the symmetry with the orange helmet and the orange pants. I, I agree with you on that. So I think I'm going to go orange, white, orange on the road at TCU. They haven't had a lot of success in Fort Worth, so there, wasn't, there isn't some karmic reason to wear a certain combo. So I think they'll mix it up a little bit. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, I'm not sure which of those looks I would prefer. Probably the orange, white, orange, because you get the curse of Cowboys along with it. But I like the double white sitting on top of the orange, too. So uh, I don't know. I don't know which one of the, the which one of those I would prefer. But uh, what is your I, favorite road look? My favorite, man, it's what they wore a couple weeks ago in Waco was pretty sweet. The icy whites were nice. I'd I, I'm just an all-white guy in general. Whenever you go on the road, throw on the icy whites. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, that speaks to me. Me and Kyle Porter were huge on the black-white-orange, and they lost in Ames that fateful night uh, hmm. back in 2011. We didn't think we'd ever see it again. But then they wore it in 2014 Bedlam, exercised those demons, and now it's kind of been one of their, their favorite Bedlam looks. But I, I think they wore it in the, uh, the bowl game against Notre Dame. The, the curse of black helmet – Curse of Cowboys, white jersey, yep. orange pants. That 
that to me is my favorite look. People aren't huge fans of the tricolor, but I, I think that is about as sharp as it gets. And, and that's Justin Southwell, our you know former OSU wide receiver. He's kind of our resident uniform expert on, on pistols firing. And he's been kind of tweeting what they have and haven't worn. And I, I'd like to see some of the tricolor looks at home, like a, a white, black, orange. I don't think they've ever worn stuff like that. I know people like, like more symmetry with the helmets and jerseys matching or maybe the helmet and pants matching, but the tricolor kind of pops to me for some reason. I kind of like that look. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I don't think we're on the same side here. The uh, the tricolor to me, it looks very busy. Again, I don't dislike it. I, we're, we're comparing Oklahoma State uniforms, which is is good versus great. It just seems a little busy to me. I, I kind of like the cleaner. So uh, an, another road look I like is the black cursive cowboy helmets, white and then black pants I like. But yeah, I don't know. The, the tricolor, it's just there's a lot going on with the tricolor. It just feels like too much to me. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And uh, my resident uniform Heisman, Kendall Daniels, will be sitting out the first half uh, uh, against TCU. That that also is a huge uh, note coming into this game. That'll be uh, tough to overcome. But you know, Flanagan's played a lot. He's been there a long time. He'll he'll be filling in for him, and he's played a lot this year too. Even when Daniels was available, so that's that's something to watch out for. But I'll be looking for Kendall Daniels when he gets in there. He's my resident uni Heisman. So. We'll see, Colby. It's a big game. Uh, we'll talk with you Sunday at noon. Everyone join on YouTube. I'll tweet out some links as we get closer. And uh, anything else before you get out of here? Uh, don't believe so. Good show today. Appreciate everybody listening. Sunday, noon, YouTube live. Carson will tweet out the links, as will I, at Carson underscore OKC, at Colby J. Powell. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Enjoy the game this weekend. We're back Sunday. Go, folks. <laughs>